Hey, this morning, I wanted to start a new series uh, called The Privilege of Prayer. I don't know if that phrase sounds familiar to anybody, but there's a little book that I have been personally blessed by year after year. Almost every year, I, I get a chance to, to read this little book. It's called Steps to Christ. There's 12 chapters there, totally power-packed, um, and it just every time I read it, it leads me to a, a converted relationship with Jesus. And so if you haven't had a chance to, to, to check that out and to allow God to speak to you through that, um, <clears throat> I encourage you to do it. Actually, I'm, if, if you don't, uh, I'll, I'll preach a sermon series on it soon. <laughs> Anyways, but um, that'll come probably by March. But uh, I, I wanted to get to prayer. There's a chapter called The Privilege of Prayer. I think it's chapter 11 or so in there. And I remember reading that as a high schooler for the first time. And just my eyes being open, man, this, there's a possibility of conversation with God that I have been unfamiliar with. And, um, you know, even now, um, many, many moons past high school, um, I feel like I'm still growing in my, in my conversation with Jesus. And so uh, over the next few weeks, I wanted to do that together because I believe that God is calling me to be a man of prayer. And I believe that God is calling us as a church family to be a house of prayer. Right? The verse that was up here earlier, my house shall be called not a house of preaching, not a house of singing, although those things happen in his house. It's a house of prayer, meaning it's defining characteristics should be conversation and communication with God. And I want to be a church, a house of prayer, a church of prayer. Someone once uh, posed the question, I was sitting in some pastor's meetings, and uh, there was a presenter that was asking a question, hey, what? If you were to define your, or describe your church, would it be a church without prayer? Or would it be a church with prayer? And then some people are like, oh yeah, a church with prayer. And then he said, how about this? How about a church of prayer? <laughs> a little bit different nuance, right? Where that's really the lifeblood. And I really pray that we would become that. And so through January, we'll be exploring the privilege of prayer. Maybe it's something that you... Uh, deeply enjoy on a daily basis, a moment-by-moment, hourly basis. But today and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking specifically at Jesus' teaching on prayer in John 14 through 16. John 14 through 16. It's known as the farewell discourse in the Gospel of John. Uh, So you can go ahead and start finding it in your Bibles. John chapter 14, um, Jesus is teaching us uh, to pray. You know, I mean, you look throughout his life and ministry, Jesus teaches many things about talking with God. In fact, I would say, aside from his return, prayer is probably the most common subject of, uh, of his teachings. So John 14 through 16, Jesus is teaching throughout his life and ministry on prayer, but his teaching seems decidedly um, distinct, very different from the rest of his teaching on prayer uh, throughout the Gospels. And so, we're going to John 14, 15, 16 over the next few weeks. We're actually going to kind of go backwards. We're going to go John 16 today, John 15 uh, next week, and then John 14 um, after that. But before we get in there, let's bow our heads for another word of prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we want to give you permission to speak to us about how we can communicate with you. Lord, there's a lot about prayer, and there's so much that we could study for months on end. The two-way dialogue, not just the talking, but the listening, 
And what is it specifically here in John 14 through 16 that you want us to see? We, we just ask that you would be our teacher, that you would be no, more, more than a teacher, more than an instructor, but that you would transform our lives today through the living word. Especially as we embark upon 2020. I honestly never thought I'd say that. But as we get into this new year, I pray, Father, that you would lead us to a deeper relationship with Jesus. We open up our hearts today and we ask that you would take the burdens that may be occupying the the mental and emotional space upon our hearts, that we would have open ears, as the Psalms say in Psalm 119, it says, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your law. Lord, please cause us to see what you want us to see and prepare our hearts for the experience of foot washing and communion. We pray this in Jesus' saving and precious name. Let the family say, amen. Amen. All right. So John, let's let's go to John 16. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. amen. All right. So again, these are the farewell discourses. Jesus is faring well in John chapter 13 which is uh, where you find um, the, the upper room experience, where Jesus actually goes around and, and washes his disciples' feet. And at the tail end of John 13, he tells, he tells them, hey, I'm going somewhere where you cannot follow me. Peter is all distraught. He says, hey, wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. Oh. Jesus says, are you sure about that? And he's given the, Peter is given the, the anticipation that he's going to deny his Savior and all these things. That's why John 14 starts with, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be so overcome by your failures. Believe in me. Don't worry about your failures. Believe in my victories, right? And so John 14, 15, 16, in the midst of all this, this is, okay, so the point in Jesus' life, he's nearing the hour, the hour of the cross. The hour is, uh, you know, kind of a phrase that John uses. Hey, my, my hour has not come. In terms of the disciples' experience, this is, you've got to recognize that the disciples are, are relatively mature in their discipleship experience. Like this is not their intro to discipleship time. This is final preparation for, hey, you're on your own soon, okay? Um, This is not just the introduction to kingdom life. This is final preparations for launching on their own, carrying forward the mission of Jesus. And as, you know, all these things are kind of converging, they're hearing now that Jesus is not going to be with them much longer. Jesus wants to give them an expectation And he's preparing them for what is to come and the purpose that he has for them to fulfill. So throughout these chapters, you see awesome themes, themes about joy. Man, if that's, uh, you know, if there was a secret sauce for joy, I think everybody would be at King Supers for it, right? Uh, Jesus gives us secrets of joy right here in this chapter. He gives us instruction about how to experience the Holy Spirit in our lives. He gives them counsel about uh, experiencing a security in their relationship with Jesus, all sorts of things. And in the midst of all that, he teaches especially about prayer, which is not a a distinct or different topic from joy and the Holy Spirit and and security in your relationship with Jesus. It's all couched in prayer. But more specifically, Jesus is talking about asking. Okay, I don't know if in your mind, if you automatically equate praying with asking, but it's not always the same, right? Prayer is just the opening of the heart to God as to a friend, right? And that communication to a friend can come in the, in the form of requests, but more often than not, your friendship with someone is not just asking them to do something for you. Amen? Right? Hopefully we have 
different kinds of friendships. Anyway, so <laughs> um, that, that, that's what you call an ATM or a vending machine. Anyways, um, so in terms of prayer, you know, prayer is, is kind of a general concept of an exchange of ideas and feelings, communication and interaction between two persons, right? Not just any two persons. Prayer is uh, communication and interaction between ourselves and God. It's a broad concept of prayer. And then in, in terms of Jesus teaching here, he's actually talking about asking. And the word for ask is very direct. It's a specific petition. It's, an, it's a request. It's a demand almost. And it seems more intensely focused. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, there's just this, uh, this particular example here where Paul is saying, he's using these two definitions of prayer. He says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Just, just one sample of, of how the, the New Testament believers, they understood prayer to be this broader uh, concept or umbrella for relationship with God, communication with God. But then when it came to asking, this was a specific focus, an intense focus. And here in the farewell discourses of John 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus is instructing about prayer, he's not just talking about talking with God. He's talking about asking. He's talking about asking. And so, I, I don't know, this is a phrase uh, just to help me distinguish it. it this, we're talking about asking prayer, okay? Asking prayer. And so, let's read just a little bit here in John 16, um, starting in verse 23. John 16, verse 23. I'm reading from the New King James, and it says this. My Bible has it all in red letters, so this is Jesus' instruction. It says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, that's like, you can count on this. Amen, amen, is how it is literally in the Greek. Amen, amen. I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You kind of get the idea of what he's getting after, right? Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you in, a, in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. Now, there's some, just in the, that span of five or so verses, there are some things that are repeated very often, right? Um, first of all, the word ask is repeated probably four or five times, just in that, that little section there. But I don't know if you caught it. There is something different. He's saying, in that day, did you notice that in verse 23? In that day, you will do this, Right? And then again, I think it's, it comes in uh, verse 24, just this sense of timing. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. And so there's, like, there's just kind of this breaking into not a new year, but a new experience, a new age, a new time. Again in verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name. So what is different about the day that Jesus is talking about? In what day? In what day are you talking about, Jesus? The day, when he leaves. the day when he leaves, right? He has just told Peter, 
Then the, the rest of the disciples, hey, uh, I'm going somewhere where you cannot follow. And on he launches about abiding in Christ, about experiencing joy, about prayer. In that day when I'm gone, in that day when I am, I'm, let's, let's say this, not just separated from you, but when I am on the other side of heaven, Okay, he knows where he's headed, right? John 13 starts out like that. Uh, the whole upper room experience, Jesus knowing from whom he came and to whom he's going. Uh, Jesus knew where he was headed. So in that day, so whatever is different about that approaching day than other days, I would submit this, whatever is different about that day is actually going to make asking prayer possible. So should that day not come, Whatever he's saying here about asking is not even possible. But because that day has come, because we serve a risen Savior, we can ask, we can seek, we can knock. Do you follow that? I mean, that's pretty impressive to me. So what are some of the things? In that day, uh, in verse, uh, I think it was 26, in that day, you will ask in my name. Do you realize that Father Abraham didn't ask in the name of Jesus? His prayer life was different. His prayer life was different pre-resurrection than it is for us post-resurrection. Because we're living in the day of the resurrected Christ. What? So let, let me ask you this. What is praying in the name of Jesus? What is praying in the name of I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question. Uh, if you grew up in a household where it was, you were taught how to pray or if, you, if this is familiar things to you, or if these are familiar things to you. I mean, this was, for me, praying in the name of Jesus was merely a postscript at the, at the end of a prayer, right? It was a tagline, in Jesus' name, amen, right? Um, but let me tell you, it's not. It's not just a postscript to a prayer. It's more than an addendum. It's more than a routine. When we pray in Jesus' name, I believe we're taking on something bigger than we often realize. Remember, praying in Jesus' name is only possible in that day. Because Jesus is no longer present on the earth, because Jesus is no longer on this side of heaven, to pray in that day, his disciples will then be charged with praying in the stead of Jesus. Okay, I'm just going to kind of throw out some, some ideas here. To pray in Jesus' name, it's almost as if he is giving us permission, actually a charge, a commission, to pray as his representatives here on earth, as though Jesus himself were here to pray the things we would pray in his name. Whew. It's almost as though that every prayer that we have the opportunity and privilege to pray, we get to sign the name of Jesus at the end of that letter. This is pretty awesome. I don't know if you're sinking in yet. Um, think about this, because <clears throat> this changes the face of prayer pretty drastically. Try this. The next time you sit or kneel to pray, the next time you, you close your eyes and just have that quiet moment to pray, try starting in the name of Jesus and see how that shapes your petition. God, I want to come to you in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden for me, what that does is it shifts my mind from the things that I'm pity partying about to the things that Jesus prioritizes. 
What does he see? What glory does, does he deserve? How can I pray the will of Christ here on earth for this person, for that situation, for this church family, for this community? I'm not just praying for green lights all the way to Denver. No. <laughs> I'm praying for the salvation of souls. To pray in Jesus' name is to prioritize Jesus' priorities. It's to pray in his stead. Wow, that's a beautiful privilege, and we get to pray like that in that day. Friends, we're living in that day now, and we can pray in the name of Jesus. It's the changed position of Jesus, Jesus in heaven, rather here on earth, that makes this prayer in Jesus' name not only possible, I would submit it makes it also necessary. It makes it necessary. And the resurrection of Christ it, it changes a lot of things. It changes our hopelessness into hopefulness. The resurrection of Christ changes our being dead in tra- transgressions and sins into being resurrected to newness of life, okay? The resurrection of Jesus changes the story for everyone, and it particularly changes the story of our prayer life. It's this changed relationship that, uh, that Jesus is trying to emphasize here because, because of the resurrection, we have a new relationship with the Father, Because of the resurrection, we have a new relationship with the Father, and it's that changed relationship that makes asking prayer possible. And so I want to look at these verses just a little bit more closely and see what the implications are of this changed relationship of praying in that day of the privilege of prayer. So let's take a look. Praying, asking prayer. Uh, Let's go again to verse 26 and 27. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, For what reason, according to verse 27? For the Father himself loves you. I I don't know what specifically the thoughts were of the disciples or of anybody else prior to this point as they approached God in prayer. But apparently, something that Jesus needed to clear up before worshipers in spirit and in truth is that when they come before God, to lay their petitions and prayers down. They don't need to wonder if God wants to hear from them. Jesus needed to clarify this. I mean, remember when he was teaching uh, the Lord's Prayer, the very first words of that prayer, our Father. He wanted us to know first off that when we pray, we don't need to wonder, does God want to hear from me? If he truly is our father, and as Jesus says here, the father himself loves you, you don't need to come to me and say, hey, Jesus, would you get God's attention for me? No, the father himself loves you. Here I I see the promise of prayer. So implication number one of, of now praying in that day is that we have the promise of prayer. Whoa, where did this come from? Did someone change my slides? No way. Ah, bummer. (laughs) Anyways, the promise of prayer. That's number one. Okay, (laughs) we'll forget that slide. The promise of prayer is the assurance of the Father's love that makes this possibility of asking prayer. It makes it more than just wishful thinking, but it makes it a definite reality and a direct relationship. The promise of prayer. And so, you know, in the new year, will you embrace the promise of prayer? Will you embrace the assurance of the Father's love to you? for you, that he's not just uh, a force to kind of line up with and 
get to, get to uh, you know, manipulate, to, to bless you. No, he's a father to trust. That's the promise of prayer. The second implication I see is the prize of prayer. Go, go to 23 and 24. It says, In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you. So he's really wanting to, to, to settle this, make this certain in their hearts. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive for what purpose or what result? What is the end of that verse in your Bible? <laughs> that your joy may be full. I would say I, I call this the prize of prayer. Let me ask you a question. How's your joy cup? <laughs> How's your joy cup? Is it full? I wonder, you know, I wonder how many of us would have that honest assessment. Wow. I want more joy. And I believe that joy is only found in Jesus. It's only found in an abiding relationship with him. Joy is something that comes up a lot in chapter 15 also. Joy is the fruit, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's part and parcel with having an abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit. But according to this verse, there is a component of full joy that I think we miss out on. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I feel like there, there are things that God wants to give us in answer to prayer. And that, you know, it's not just the answers to prayer that make us joyful. It's the evidence of the fact that God is listening. It's the evidence of the fact that there is a risen Savior. It's the evidence of the fact that he ever does, he does ever live to make intercession for us. It's the evidence of, fact, of the fact that he actually is present and active in our lives. So when we see these evidences of the resurrected Christ as the Father moves his all-powerful hand in response to our petitions of faith and trust, he says, your joy will be full. If you're, if you're feeling like, hey, my, my joy cup is half full, my joy cup is, or maybe, maybe you see it half empty, I don't know. Uh, if, if you're feeling like your joy cup is full, well, maybe, maybe in this new year, God is inviting you to ask in the name of Jesus. You'll receive that your joy may be full. All right, so we've got the promise of prayer, the, the assurance of the Father's love, the prize of prayer, full joy prize of prayer. And the third thing I would say the implication here is, is actually not expressly stated. But the price of prayer. As I was thinking about this, all of this, you know, this assurance of the Father's love, the, the full joy of asking and receiving, all of this is only possible in that day, right? The day of the resurrected Christ. Which means that had Jesus not been crucified and resurrected, that kind of prayer would not be possible. In other words, I don't think this is a stretch. Jesus died to make asking prayer possible. That's heavy. He died for this. And how pitiful it is for me to take this as a luxury, as something that I can gloss over. Asking prayer is, 
is of little importance relative to the importance of Jesus saying, hey, I am dying not just to pardon your sin, but to give you permission to pray in my name. What? (laughs) That's the price of prayer. Do we realize the price of prayer? Jesus died to give us this privilege. Prayer is not just a perk, not just an accessory, an option, but part of the standard package of all that Jesus died and rose again to make available to anyone who follows him. And if Jesus valued this privilege of prayer enough to die for it, how could we possibly neglect it? Yeah? If Jesus died for it, how could I neglect it? Will you appreciate the price of prayer in the new year? If Jesus died to give us this privilege, will will we live to make good on it? And I think, uh, you know, that's kind of what reminds me of what we get to celebrate today in terms of fixing our eyes on on the sacrifice of Christ, the broken body and the spilt blood of Jesus, will we appreciate the price of prayer? And so if if there's a promise of prayer, if there's the the prize of full joy in prayer, if there's the price of, you know, Jesus actually died to make this available to us, how will we, in this week, in this year, how will we embrace the privilege of prayer? I want to give you some suggestions, some immediate applications. Um, As was mentioned earlier, we've got 10 days of prayer coming up. It's something that the world church, you know, churches all around the world uh, engage in the 10 days of prayer during the set time. This year, it's January 8 through 18. That's technically 11 days of prayer. But uh, (laughs) anyways, January 8 to 17, we will be meeting every night at the hospital chapel from 7 to 745. So power punch time of praise and of petitioning. If you're not able to gather with us each evening to engage the privilege of prayer, um, I I really, really urge you to still personally set aside these 10 days in your own home, in your own household. Recognize, hey, put, put on your phones and stuff. Say, hey guys, let's gather around at a certain time. It's the 10 days of prayer. Um, and here's an additional appeal. I would say, and, and I... I I long for 100% participation on this. Find a prayer partner for the 10 days. Even if it's just a five-minute phone call at a certain time, every single one of those days, just, hey, let's pray together. The theme this year is seeking God's spirit. Seeking God's spirit. And you can find the different uh, prayer emphases for each day at 10daysofprayer.org. But... But yeah, I mean, this is something, again, it's a privilege. It's a privilege of prayer that Jesus died for, and I hope that we can enjoy it together. Um, I would also encourage you, it was mentioned earlier, Final Empire is coming up on January 24. I would encourage you, write down on your prayer list if you keep one, or if you don't, then find a little index card at home. Just write down a name or two of some friends or neighbors that you want to pray for, that they might be open to asking spiritual questions, especially regarding the things that are addressed at Final Empire. If it's not, maybe that's not uh, going to meet their need, pray for those that God is going to bring to the Final Empire event. So those are some immediate applications, but today, specifically in, in light of foot washing and communion, I want to encourage you today. <clears throat> I don't know if when the subject of prayer comes up in your heart and mind, there's almost a... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Almost a uh, a resistance or a hesitation 
because of past experiences or disappointments with prayer. I don't know if that's ever been your, your season or your case. But I think we go through these times where prayer is not something we seem to fully rely upon. And I want to appeal to us today that is, you know, I'm going to invite us to enjoy the foot washing. I want to encourage you to not just seek heart cleansing of sin. And uh, obviously we, we need to seek heart cleansing of sin and, and heart cleansing of anything that might be between not just us and God, but also us and other people. But I would appeal that, that if there is unbelief about prayer, that you would allow the foot washing to be a time to let that be washed clean. That if you're feeling like there are things that hold you back from asking prayer, if there are things that hold you back from enjoying the privilege of prayer and actually feeling the, the full joy of prayer, the way that Jesus invites us to, that you would let this foot washing be a time to cleanse that. And also, that as we receive the sacrifice of Jesus, or at least the emblems that represent that, that we would receive Jesus as that which not only makes pardon possible, but also prayer itself possible. So, will you? Will you enjoy the privilege of prayer with me? In your own ways, whether it's personally, whether it's with a prayer partner, or whether it's today, here, just as we celebrate the foot washing and communion, that it would have specific application to your prayer connection with the Lord. Let's bow our heads together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to engage in concrete actions now that would, uh, that would speak volumes to our heart and soul. I pray, Father, that if there's anything that stands between us and you, there's anything that stands between us and other people that you would do what only you can do. Please give us heart renewal and conversion. I pray, Father, for as Paul talks about um, not celebrating the communion in an unworthy manner, Lord, I pray for a heart-searching time just now. If we need to pause if we need some extra time to make a phone call, if we need to uh, just sit quietly before the Lord, uh, I, I pray that you would lead us. Make this time meaningful and transforming. We pray in Jesus' saving and precious name. Amen.